One thing is always, always true, and it's this. When we feel like something is too good to miss in our lives, that thing always makes it into our lives. We always squeeze it in. We always sacrifice to get it in, no matter what it is. For instance, maybe the way this works out for you is when you go to the grocery store and you pass that certain thing, maybe it's the ice cream aisle, or maybe it's the chip aisle, or if you're like me, maybe it's you go past the coffee and there's a bag there that has a flavor that you've not tried yet and it sounds awesome, then it doesn't matter if it's on the list or not, and it doesn't matter if it's on the budget or not, you get that thing, right? It's like, man, that thing is too good to miss. Or maybe you're driving down the road, and we don't have a Krispy Kreme here in Smithfield, but maybe you're somewhere where there is one and the hot now sign is on. It doesn't matter if the kids are late to school. It doesn't matter if you're late for a meeting. Some of y'all are like, man, when the hot now sign is on, that is a sign the Holy Spirit wants me to stop and get hot now donuts. Am I not right? Like some of us, that that, that can be a thing. Um, for some of us, like, like I mentioned earlier, maybe it's your favorite band. Like your favorite band is going to be in town. Maybe you were one of the millions of people who broke the internet for Taylor Swift, which if you did, that if that's your thing, that's fine. It's not really my thing but it's a free country and all that sort of stuff. Um, maybe it's for a kid's game or one of your kid's activities. Like, you know you're really busy, but they've got this thing on the schedule, and you're like, man, I'm not going to miss that. Even if I've got to uh, leave work early, um, I'm going to get to that thing. It can be just about anything. Maybe it's a career opportunity. Maybe for some of you guys, the reason you live in this area is because there was an opportunity that was presented to you, and it was just simply too good to miss, and so you uprooted your entire family, and you set down roots here because it was too good to miss. When something is too good to miss in our lives, it always makes it on the calendar. It always makes it into our budget. Even if we have to squeeze it in, even if we have to sacrifice to make it happen, too good to miss always makes it into our lives. And so with that as the backdrop, I want us to consider for a moment this right here. What if the things we're labeling as too good to miss are actually causing us to miss the thing or things that are best? What if the things that we're labeling as too good to miss in our lives, the things we always squeeze in, the things we always sacrifice for, what if those are the very things that actually keep us from what's actually best? For what is actually going to matter for the long haul, for the things that are actually most meaningful. I'll give you guys an example. Um, for those of you that don't know me, me and my wife have two kids. One of them is almost one. The other is almost three. And because we have two kids, that means we just entered minivan world, which I think minivan world is great personally. You know, And for those of you who are skeptical, you just haven't ridden in one yet. The space in a minivan is glorious and amazing and awesome. And it's so much easier to get the kids in and out of a minivan. Um, but I don't love a minivan nearly as much as my toddler does. He is in all of the minivan, especially because this minivan has automatic doors that you can push a button. And toddlers love to push buttons, especially when things happen, when they push the button. And when you push the button, the door opens and the door shuts and the door opens and the door shuts. And so one day I'm coming home um, from work. I'm home about 5.30 or so. And I open the door and I hear my little toddler's feet um, pitter-pattering towards the floor. And out of his mouth comes, I want to see. And I knew he was going to say, Daddy. I knew. Like, I was like, man, this is such a wonderful moment. But out of his mouth did not come, Daddy. It was, 
the van. He didn't care that I just walked in the room. He's like, I want to see the van. And I was like, wow, well, am I, I guess I'm chopped liver. I don't know. But then God spoke to my heart and he said, see, Dylan, that's so often what it's like with me and you. And that's so often what it's like with me and people. So often our Heavenly Father holds out His arms to us. So often our Heavenly Father invites us into something that is genuinely too good to miss, primarily a relationship with Himself through His Son, Jesus Christ, or He offers us into a calling and not a career or a deeper purpose in our lives and just making it through the 9 to 5 and crashing on the weekend. But we're like, I want to see the promotion. Or I want to see my date this weekend. Or I want to see the next getaway, the next vacation. Or even I want to see my kids. I want to see my spouse. And see, here's the tension in this. Most of the things that we're like, man, I want to see blank. I want, to, I want this thing is too good to miss. Usually they're not bad things. Most of the time they're actually very, very good things. And so the problem is not that we have good things. The problem is not that we want good things. The problem is when good things become God things and replace God in our lives. And none of us are immune from this tendency. All of us, from the time we're born, are born with a a tendency to pursue good things over the best thing. We're, we're, We're prone to look at our Heavenly Father and say, metaphorically, I want to see the van. And the reason we're prone to this is it's actually hardwired into our DNA because of sin. And because of that, this is what we end up doing. Romans 1.25, you don't have to turn there, but it says this. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator. And that's ultimately where we tend to default to. We tend to default towards the things that originate in this world, even something as meaningful as relationships, even something as fulfilling as a great career, even something as joyful as having kids. We can tend to put our hope and our desire in created things and things that originate in this world and give our lives wholly to those things. And then God just kind of becomes an afterthought. And what we end up doing is we put the label of too good to miss on things that mean they're good, but they're not God. So what has to happen here? In fact, I would say as we enter 2023, if you want to live a life that is too good to miss, we're going to have to get our attention corrected. We're going to have to get our priorities corrected and so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So if you want to turn in your Bible, if you have one, to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Um, if you don't have one, no worries. Everything will be on the screen. Um, and if you don't have a Bible because you don't own one, drop by the Connection Center on your way out. They'll, they'll give you a free Bible um, so you can have that. But 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy is a book written by a guy named Paul to a guy named Timothy. And Timothy is a pastor of the church at Ephesus. And so 1 Timothy um, puts together like a leadership manual for Timothy from Paul, where Paul is basically saying, hey, here's how you need to pastor your church. And one of the things he encourages Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting in verse 17, is this. He says, command those who are rich in this present world. And let, let me pause right there, because I know some of you are thinking, oh, oh, this is to the rich. Well, that's good for me because I'm not rich. I'm not wealthy. 
But hang on and let's get to the back part of this verse because he says this. He says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. See, we would like to think, even if we don't define ourselves as riches, oh, this doesn't apply to me, but see, here's reality. Every single person in the room, we're all prone towards arrogance, and we're especially all prone towards putting our hope in the things of this world. When he says wealth here, that's not just, you know, dollars and coins. I don't even know if they have coins anymore. There was like a coin shortage or something like that, um, which I don't know how it's possible, but I, I guess it is. Um, he's not primarily, he's not talking only about dollar things there. What he's saying is don't put your hope in things that originate in this world. Why? Because they're uncertain. And here's the reality, guys. Anything that originates in this world, whether that is a thing or whether that is a person, that thing or that person, ultimately, at the end of the day, they're uncertain. And they're uncertain one of two ways. Either they will eventually let you down or they will eventually go away. The potential for loss is always there. The potential for letdown is always there. See, God doesn't tell us, don't put your hope in the things of this world because he's out to ruin our fun. No, it's because he knows that the things of this world, they're temporary and they'll either let us down or we'll lose them. And if we put our hope in those things, man, it just sets us up for tremendous disappointment, tremendous disillusionment. And some of you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. Because you put your hope in maybe this thing, this, this getaway. I'm going to get on this vacation, and it's finally going to relieve me. And then you get off vacation and come back to your normal day-to-day life, and you're fried. You're like, well, man, if I can finally have a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend, life will be great. And then you just have a lot of fights and arguments all the time. Or you're like, man, if I can have a kid, then, then, then that'll. I really just want a child. And I can just tell you as a parent, once you have the child, then you don't have sleep. But we can put our hope in these different things. Guys, they won't satisfy you. They won't fulfill you. And a lot of times they'll let you down. For example, um, I mentioned we entered minivan world. Well, that meant we finally got rid of this piece of junk Ford Taurus that I was driving. And I mean, I, I mean it, was, it was, I've owned two Fords in my life. They both had dashboards that lit up like Christmas trees. And maybe I just got the only two junky Fords in the world. I don't know, but I have heard that Ford means found on road deserted. So... I don't know, but we finally got rid of that. And after all the money I put into that thing over like the last 18 months, I was like, my days of car repairs are over to the glory of God. Four days after we sell that Taurus, I'm pulling my wife's Mitsubishi Outlander out from the Valvoline, just getting the oil change done. And the wheels lock up. It threw a belt. And not only that, the compressor was done. I'm like... I thought I was done with this. And then the flat tire light comes on on the minivan. And guess what? There's a sensor missing. I'm like, I, th- I thought I was done with the car repairs because I got this new thing that was supposed to solve all my issues because it was supposed to be reliable. And now we have two reliable vehicles. And then I get rid of the piece of junk and have to fix the two reliable vehicles. And they're not even Fords. One of them's a Toyota, and they never break, Right? What happened? There was this thing that I thought was going to fix all my issues, and no, it it came with issues of its own. 
And that's the thing, guys. Anything in this world that we put our hope in, like, like even if it's a great thing, like a husband or a wife or a kid or an awesome job or a new career, a new calling, a new opportunity, a vacation, like, yeah, they're great. Yeah, they're awesome. But the reality is they come with their own tensions. They come with their own issues. They come with their own uncertainties. And so he says, don't put your hope in wealth. Don't put your hope in the things of this world that are so uncertain. But instead, he writes this, but teach them to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Now, that does not mean that you give God a Christmas list and he's like, okay, you want a Maserati, you can have that. It's not what it means. What it means is God takes care of everything you actually need. And if you put your hope in God, he will never give you anything that you don't need. And he will lead you into abundant life, into life that is too good to miss. And so the idea is this, guys. Too good to miss, it starts and it ends with God. It starts and it ends with God. Guys, that's what we like to say as a church, that we believe there's nothing better than being with Jesus because he really is the answer to everything we need. If we have Jesus and nothing else, then the reality is we have everything. But if we have everything else and don't have Jesus, then, man, we've got nothing. And here's the interesting thing about saying that. Like, if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, none of us would dispute that idea. None of us would argue that too good to miss starts and ends with God. None of us would argue that, man, there's nothing better than being with Jesus. But the interesting thing about that is it's very easy to say that. But, man, it's challenging to actually live that. And so how do we know whether or not we actually buy that idea? That too good to miss starts and ends with God. How do we actually know we buy that idea that there's nothing better than being with Jesus? And I would say the answer is this. Does God get your full attention? Or does he just get your kind of accidental and incidental attention? You say, what's the difference? If somebody gets kind of like my incidental attention, so say, for instance, this is what that's like. If you're sitting in a restaurant or a coffee shop or whatever, and somebody walks in, you just kind of turn your head. Who, who all does that? Like, you just kind of do that. A, a, few, few, a few people who are willing to be weird and admit it. Yeah. Like, I just like to know who just walked in the room, like who just walked in, you know? Um, that's incidental attention. Intentional attention is when I'm driving down the highway or driving down the road, and my eyes see something beautiful out the window. I see something green. I see something lush. I'm talking about a beautifully, meticulously manicured lawn. Maybe for most of you, you don't care. But when I see grass that looks like a checkerboard, I'm like, oh my gosh. And usually it's about this time that my wife is like, eyes on the road. But it just kind of gets my attention. It just kind of draws me. That's more like intentional attention where I just don't look and turn away. I look and I keep looking. It's an intentional focus. The question, guys, do we just kind of glance at God when he happens to scroll by on our newsfeed on Facebook? Or does he get our intentional attention, our intentional focus? There's two areas that kind of give, will give you a good measuring stick for whether or not this happens. Does his word get your intentional attention? 
does it because his word, I would argue, is too good to miss. And, and here's why. Psalm 119.105 says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. In other words, if I don't have God's word in my life, then I'm walking in darkness. That's too good to miss, guys. Peter says in John 6, 68, when Jesus asked the 12 disciples, man, are, are y'all guys going to walk away? And he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Literally, God's words are our life source. Guys, that's too good to miss. That's too good to just be accidentally focused on. That requires intentional focus. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, all scriptures God breathed. That's why we preach God's word. That's why we always encourage you to read God's word because it is literally the words of God, and they are useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Guys, God's word is too good to miss. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says that the word of God is alive and active, and it is sharper than a two-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. God's word, when I read it, it reads me. It deals with my junk. It deals with the stuff that I can't even see, and I need that in my life. That is too good to miss. And then Jesus commenting on the word of God said to Satan in Luke 4, 3 and 4, when the devil said, man, if you're the son of God, tell this stone to be bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from God's mouth. That's how we live. We live by God's words. And guys, that's too good to miss. So when you don't pick up God's word, when you don't expose yourself to God's word intentionally, guys, we're missing out on life. You're missing out on the best life you could possibly live when you neglect God's word. So is God's word going to get your intentional attention this year? Guys, I would say this. The single best habit you can develop that will change your life is intentionally being in God's word every single day and not trusting it to chance that you're going to get there, but being intentional about it. And I would argue the second best habit to give God your intentional attention is by gathering with his church. Now, here's a question. Why do we gather as a church? Do we do it to sing songs? That, that's part of it. Do we do it to hear a message? That's part of it. But ultimately, the reason we gather as the church week in and week out is for this reason. Matthew 18, 20, Jesus said this, For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. We gather as the church, not primarily to hear a preacher and not primarily to hear songs. We gather as the church because Jesus promised his presence in the gathering of believers. And you might say, well, can I experience God's presence on my own? Well, sure, you can, but we need to experience God's presence in different ways. And guys, we experience the presence of God in the gathering of the local church in a way that is impossible to experience on our own. So guys, I would say this, too good to miss means hearing Jesus' voice through his word and experiencing his presence with the church. Too good to miss, it means I expose myself to God's word intentionally every single day. It means I make a habit out of gathering with the church. Can I, can I give you two New Year's activities to do 
that I would say should be life disciplines. First off, man, every single day, choose to pick up God's Word and expose yourself to it. Choose to pick up God's Word and read it and marinate on it and let it get inside of you. You don't have to read the whole Bible through in a year. But guys, man, spend time with God and His Word every single day. Never miss a day. I'm not saying read the Bible 365 days in a row. I'm just saying every single day when you get up, just do it. If you're a night owl, read it at night. I can't think at night, but I know some of you can. If you've got to do it on your lunch hour, do it on your lunch hour. If you're like, well, man, I just can't read. Well, man, download version. It's an app on your phone. You can listen to the Bible as you ride down the road. Guys, God's, word, God's voice, which he presents in his word, guys, it's too good to miss. And I would challenge you with this. Starting on January 2nd, 20, January, January 22nd, we're doing a series called Uncomplicated, and we're actually going to take from January 22nd all the way through Easter Sunday to go through the entire Bible. And we're going to see how the whole Bible fits together. We're going to see how the Bible is not as complicated in a big picture sense as so often we think. Can I just challenge you from January 22nd through Easter Sunday, be here every single weekend. Now, I'm not saying if you're like hacking your lungs up with COVID or the flu that you should come in here and spread that around everybody. Like, I mean, don't do that. You know, if you've got a stomach bug, like, please stay at home. I know that's a thing for some of us right now. And trust me, if I have a stomach bug, I will probably not be up here preaching. But what I'm saying, guys, is other than that, man, if you're healthy, if you're in town, don't miss the gathering of the local church. If you're out of town, find a church to gather with. And I just want to challenge you to think, guys, what might happen if for, like, from January 22nd through Easter Sunday, that's about 12 weeks, what happened? What would happen in your life? What sort of momentum would God create in your life? What sort of momentum might God create in the life of our church if from now through Easter Sunday, every single day, every single one of us was in God's Word? What would happen if from January 22nd through Easter Sunday, every single one of us was gathered as a church every single week? What might God do in your life? You might say, I don't know, and I would say that's the point. That's the point, but I can tell you what would absolutely happen. Jesus will change your life. Because when Jesus gets my attention, he changes my activity. When Jesus gets my attention, he changes my activity. I want to take you back to maybe your middle school days, your high school days, and some of y'all are there, and take you back to like your first crush now, all of us did something as adults, and if you're a teenager, preteen, you're probably living this right now, that in retrospect, it's honestly kind of creepy. Because here's what you did. This person caught your eye, and then you found out where their locker was. Right? You found out their class schedule, and then you just happened to go by there. Right? Right? We did this. We did this. Some of you teens or preteens, you do this right now. Or, or maybe when you started like getting a little older and somebody worked somewhere, like if you had a twin brother who worked at a grocery store and a certain cashier caught your eye, then maybe, just maybe, even though you weren't hired there because you failed a personality test, which is a real thing, then maybe you asked your twin brother to find out her work schedule so you could just happen to run errands at that particular time. Right, right, we did this as teenagers. It's a little restraining order worthy, right? <laughs> like probably if most of us were put on a stand, then it'd be like, yeah, you probably should have a restraining. Like, like that's just a little on the creepy side, right? 
But what happened? Somebody got your attention and it changed your activity. Guys, if Jesus gets your attention through his word and gets your attention with the church, he will change your activity. He will change the way you live. In fact, watch what Paul writes next to Timothy. He says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. What he's talking about here is moving from a self-centered life where our hope is in the things of this world, where our hope is in wealth, where our hope is in experiences or relationships or whatever, to, man, now I live my life for others. I've gone from self-centered to others-centered. That's a changed life. What is that the overflow of? That's the overflow of put your hope in God. When Jesus gets your attention, he changes your activity. And that doesn't mean you get it perfect, guys. We believe that we're all a work in progress. We are not perfect people who have arrived. We're people who love Jesus and are in the process of being changed by Jesus But man, if Jesus gets your attention, he will change your activity. You will make progress. You might say, well, how do I know what to make progress on? Well, first off, the more time you spend with Jesus, the more evident it will become of what you need to change. But sometimes it's good to back up and ask a question or two to kind of gauge that. Like I would say a really good question would be, what do you think God likes the least about your life right now? What does God like the least or maybe you could even say, man, what do, what do I not like about me? What do I wish was different about me? And I can give you the answer to both of those for me. I'm a pastor, but I am not a perfect dad. I really struggle with patience with my toddler. And so what do I need? Man, I need the Lord to build patience in my life. And I'm praying for that. And I know the prayer is like, well, if you pray for patience, God will give you opportunities. Listen, if you're a parent, you already have opportunities. You might as well leverage them. Teenagers, your parents have opportunities with you to be patient. But let me just say this. You have opportunities to be patient with your parents too because they're not perfect. None of us are perfect. We're all a work in progress. I need the Lord to work patience in me, what is that thing that the Lord wants to change in you? Is it pride? Is it, self, is it, is it insecurity? Is, is it body image issues? Maybe it's a lust problem. Maybe it's a greed problem. Maybe God wants you to forgive somebody, reconcile with somebody. Maybe your marriage is struggling and God is calling you to seek counseling for that. I don't know what it is. Maybe you really struggle with peer pressure and trying to fit in. What is the thing that God wants to change in you this year? Because, man, one of the things that is way too good to miss is letting Jesus make us different in our lives. Because that's actually how we start to deeply impact other people when we let Jesus make us different. And let me tell you that one of the primary ways he makes us different, he gets us around other people. In fact, I would argue this, becoming different requires being together. Becoming different requires being together. Look back at the verse here. You don't have to turn there. But when he says, do good, be rich in good deeds, be generous and willing to share, you know what that requires? It requires other people. 
You can't do good to only yourself. That's self-centeredness. You can't share with yourself. That's self-centeredness. You need other people in your life. And guys, this is one of the reasons we say things like, man, we're at our best together. And I would even say, guys, if you want to see God do the deepest change in your life, it is going to require getting out of your comfort zone and stepping into relationships with other people. In fact, God says through his word in Hebrews chapter 10, 24, and 25, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Guys, the experience of authentic community changes my life. We need other people. We need relationships. If you try to do this thing on your own, I think God will change you a little bit, but you really will miss out on the deepest change that God wants to bring about in your life. What we need is other people. And I can just tell you guys, man, the biggest changes God has done in me have been in the seasons where I have been super intentional about pursuing community. And sometimes that has meant coming under somebody. Like my senior year at UNCW, when I was got super involved in a campus ministry group and came under a guy named Rocky, who's about, I don't know, 30 years older than me, but he mentors me. And man, that was a super impactful relationship in my life. I would even argue that relationship has had a profound impact on this church because we don't talk much now, but he still will speak into my life. You need somebody to speak into your life who can see the things you can't see. But sometimes it means bringing somebody under you in your life. For instance, one of the best decisions I've ever made was to bring Sean Payne on as a church planting apprentice about 15, 16 months ago. And so many of the things that have changed about this church and the ways we've gotten healthier, man, it's been a function of having him under me because it's forced me to ask if I was going to do this thing again, what would I do different? And that's just helped me look at this thing with a fresh set of eyes. So you need people in your life. You need relationships in your life. So let me give you four options. They won't be on the screen, but please jot them down. If we're going to be at our best together, it starts by serving together. If you are not on a volunteer team here, man, I want to encourage you to take that step. And guys, it's not about being busy with tasks. It really isn't. Although I think, man, if you're good at something, then pursue that. If you're a teacher, man, be a part of our kids' ministry. You would probably knock it out of the park. If you're an introvert, but you're kind of and you're like, I don't really like being around people, really, um, but I like tech stuff, then, man, serve on our production team. If you're a musician, then, man, serve in our band. If you love people and you're, like, bubbly and you're, like, the most outgoing person in the world and you've never met a stranger and, like, you actually talk to people when you sit next to them on an airplane, which for me is super weird. I don't want to do that. I want to put my earbuds on and just kind of be by myself. But if that's you, man, serve on our hospitality team. They would love to have you. But if you love teenagers, especially middle schoolers, serve in our student ministry. I love middle schoolers, by the way. I really do. Um, but man, it's not about the task so much as it is, it is the community of people that you're going to find when you serve on a team. That's the point. And if you're already on a team, man, I would encourage you, be here for our huddles at 915. Carl, I know, I know you may feel like it's weird. The thing we do, we ask, man, what's the best thing going on? What's your biggest challenge? We do that to create community, to create relationship. And guess what? relationship is the leverage for discipleship. True discipleship flows best out of relationship. In other words, if you want to find out everything that God has for you, step into a relationship. You can do it through a team. Also, do life together. Be a part of a group. 
In fact, we're going to talk a lot about groups, uh, or we're going to have some options that we're going to list next week. But groups are starting up, are going to be kicking back into full force here in a little bit. Um, man, choose that. And guys, those groups, it is not about the content. It is about the connections you're going to make with people. Because discipleship flows out of relationship. We're at our best together. The experience of authentic community changes my life. And if you're not quite ready for those steps, then let me give you like an, a couple of easy jump, uh, jumping off ramps. Um, on Sunday, February 5th, uh, we're going to go bowling that evening as a church over at Rainbow Lanes. So if you just want to come and hang out, do that. Buy your own pizza, get some bowling shoes on, and bowl a 50 with me. You know, I will not judge your poor bowling skills. I promise. Mine are not that great. What's the point? The point is just being together. And then the other opportunity that we're going to start talking a lot about here is we're bringing back Sunday at the Lake, um, Memorial Day Sunday. And the point of that, we uproot the church from here. We go to Camp Dixie. We do a church gathering down there. And then we get on a blob or we do water slides or do go-karts. And I retired after one year as the undefeated champion. And I probably won't be back because I just like retiring on top like Tom Brady should have, but he didn't. So, you know. Of course, the playoffs are coming. I probably shouldn't speak too soon. What's the point there? The, the point is simply connecting with each other. The experience of authentic community changes my life. It changes your life. And the overflow of that is this. Verse 19, Paul writes this. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. What is eternal treasure in the coming age? It's two things. It's first off, do you have a relationship with Christ? And second off, it's who did you help introduce him to? And guys, that's too good to miss. That's ultimately where all of this is going. That's why we say that the mission moves us beyond us. That's why we say that we exist to give everyone opportunities to follow Jesus and become a disciple maker who lives for God, loves all people, and leads others to do the same because that is going to matter forever. The idea is this. When Jesus gets my attention and changes my activity and community, the result is the chance to change someone's destiny. And guys, that's why we exist as a church. We do not exist just to get together and do a church gathering on a Sunday. We don't exist just to have some volunteer teams. We don't exist just to do some groups. Ultimately, we exist because every single person ever born is going to exist forever in one of two places, either heaven in God's presence or hell separated from God for eternity. And the reason God has put you exactly where you are right now is because there are people around you and I right now who have a desperate need to see the love of Christ and hear the love of Christ. Teenager, preteen, the reason God has you in the class you're in with the teacher that you have or on the team that you're on is because there are people around you, there are peers around you who desperately need to hear the gospel. By the way, teenagers, Encounter kicks back off this Wednesday night. We'll do Big E. Um, I'm preaching, and so I'm excited about that. It's going to be fun. If you have a student who's a teen, get them to our student ministry. It will be incredibly impactful in their lives. Those of you who work, which is most most of us, man, the reason God has you in the job that you have, even if you hate it, is because there are people around you who have a desperate need to see the gospel. They have a desperate need to hear the gospel. The reason you're in the family that you're in, and we all know families have drama, right? But it's because there are people in your family, man, they need to hear the gospel. Parents, your kids, they need to hear the gospel. They don't, they're not born saved. 
They need to hear the gospel. The reason you have the circle of people that you're around, moms, the reason you have the circle of moms that you hang out with is because there are moms there who need to hear the gospel and they need to hear it through you. The reason you even go to the grocery store that you're going to is because God has at least one person there that needs to interact with you and one single interaction can absolutely change their destiny. That's actually happening for me right now. There's a guy that God has put in front of me at the Walmart I go to. His name is Austin. He's a professing atheist, but I have the chance to step into a conversation with him about things that will stretch his mind, and I'm believing that God is going to draw him to himself. I don't know if it'll be through my interaction with him, but I do know for sure God has called me to plant some seeds in his life. And when we get to the end of our lives, when we get to eternity, the two things that we'll say we're too good to miss or a relationship with Christ because that'll endure forever. And the people that are there in eternity with us because we stepped out of our comfort zone and gave them an opportunity to follow Jesus. So what has to happen for us to live this out? What has to happen for us to experience a life that is too good to miss? Ultimately, I would say it's listening to exactly what God told us in his word. Don't put your hope in the things of this world. Put your hope in God. Give him your full attention through his word, through gathering with the church. And as he gets your attention, then listen to him as he points out things in your life that need to change. And let's just be open to him changing. And then bring other people into your life to help facilitate that exact change. And then as you do that and God starts changing you, he begins to change your heart to where your heart beats for the things that his heart beats for. And the primary thing his heart beats for is people that are far from him because he wants to invite them into his family. And he's going to point out people in your life to whom you're supposed to do exactly that. So we're going to sing a song here in a second called Holy Spirit. And I want this to be our prayer, just that God, the Holy Spirit, would be welcome in our lives to do whatever he wants, that we would be more aware of his presence and more aware of what he wants us to do, and then we would just be submissive to his will. Whether that means stepping into his commu- into community, whether that means reading his word every single day, whether it means never, never missing a gathering, of the local church, whether it means seeing who's around you who needs to hear the gospel, we're just going to do whatever God says. And that will lead to a life that is too good to miss. So Heavenly Father, I pray that you would make us sensitive to your voice, Lord, that you would correct the things in our lives that need to be corrected, that you would change what needs to be changed, and ultimately it would be for your glory. Lord, I pray you continue to work in our lives as we sing, Lord, that our attention would be on you and our attention would be towards the things you want us to change and we would just be submissive to those things, Lord Jesus. And we ask these things in your name. Amen.